Hey everybody, it's Corey Mosley and this is the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast, strategy, testimony, and real talk for all things entrepreneurship. And it starts right now. Hello, 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 hello. That's right. You know where you are. You are back on another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Mosley. And as usual, we are talking all things entrepreneurship. We've got people on here to educate you, people who have been through the storms and come out on the other side. And I got to tell you, there's never been uh, a more exciting episode than I think we're going to have coming up right now. You've heard me talk about previously the idea of having a baller on the show. And a lot of times when you hear me talk about baller, you know, we think about it in terms of money or doing big things or or those kinds of things. And I'm not going to disappoint you on there, but I've got a baller on the show in the literal sense uh, on today's episode. And I'm talking about Dre Baldwin. And Dre, within the five years, went from the end of his high school career on the team's bench to his first contract in a nine-year professional basketball career while playing professional basketball dre pioneered new genres of personal branding and entrepreneurship via an ever-growing content publishing empire and let me tell you this guy's been busy he started blogging in 2005 got on youtube in 2006 over 7,000 videos 134,000 plus subscribers content views 73 million and counting dre's daily work on your game podcast masterclass has over 1,500 episodes and more than 3 million downloads. And if you're not fired up yet, he's also given four TED Talks. Now, I got to tell you, there's people still working on their first, trying to get in on their first. He's delivered four TED Talks on discipline, confidence, mental toughness, and personal initiative. And I'm not done yet, folks. Authored 27 books. He's appeared in national campaigns with Nike, Finish Line, Wendy's, Gatorade, Buick, Wilson Sports, Stash Investments, and Dime Magazine. He's also a Philadelphia native and a Penn State alum, but currently he doesn't like winter, so he's currently living in Miami, Florida. Dre Baldwin, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, Thank you for the great introduction, Corey. I appreciate you having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, just so much going on in terms of you know, the need to, to to keep people motivated, the need to educate. I mean, it's such a, a, a big task for those of us who take it on because we not only want to educate, drive our businesses, but we also want to make sure we're having good information out there in the marketplace. And, you know, in going through your bio, watching some of your videos, I know that one of your focuses from an entrepreneurship in, and of course you can't leave out athletes, but is this idea of dominating the game from the inside. So why don't we just jump right in and have you a talk a little bit about that basketball career and some of the things you, you, you went through to how you got to kind of where you are today, putting out this content, educating, writing books, speaking all over the country. Obviously, I'm sure some of that's virtual now because <laughs> we're not on the planes and trains and automobiles <laughs> doing keynote speeches in hotels like we used to. But give us your give us that backstory and then and then and bring us forward to to, to 2020. Sure. So I'll give you the I'll give you a three minute version. I'm sure we'll fill in the gaps in between <laughs> okay. during this conversation. Yeah, sure. So, uh, my background, uh, like you said, Corey, from the city of Philadelphia. I was always into sports. 
Uh, finally got around to basketball around the age of 14. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. make my high school team till my senior year. So I got cut first three years. I tried out. We didn't have JV or freshman teams. It's underfunded school. So uh, that one year that I played, averaged two points per game. So anyone 18 years old graduating from high school, you didn't have much success in your sport then. You're probably not going to go to another level. But I just had this wild idea that I could maybe take it to the next level, even though I hadn't done much at the previous level. So I walked on and played college ball. For those of you who don't know what that means, that means you're not invited. You have no scholarship. You literally just walk into the gym. So I walked into the gym. I earned my spot on the team at a Division three school, which is the third tier of college sports. Most players that you see in the NFL and the NBA, they play Division one. I. I played Division three, mm-hmm. And then graduating from there, I mean, I didn't even – I didn't set the world on fire coming out of D3. I know you mentioned in my – in the introduction that I'm from Penn State, but Penn State has – 23 campuses around the state of Pennsylvania. So mm. the campus I graduated from has a Division three sports program. So I didn't go to the main Penn State with the football team. I went to the D3 one at the out in Altoona, which is about 35 minutes from State College. Okay. But anyway, I graduated from there. Uh, I had this idea that I could go pro. I mean, I had developed more skills. I was a little bit better as a player, but I hadn't even dominated at the D3 level. But I still, again, I had this crazy idea that I could maybe take my game to the next level after that. So to get into playing professional basketball overseas, there was not a lot of information out there. Most people, probably 99% of the listeners right now, have no idea how somebody could even get started playing basketball overseas. And Mm. as a matter of fact, most of the information, Corey, about how to play overseas basketball to this day was material made by me. (laughs) And that's just a fact. So when I graduated from college in 2004, there was no information. There was literally nothing out there. There was a few websites that would tell you the comings and goings and transactions. But there was nobody saying, okay, here's step one, here's step two, here's the next thing, here's how you do this. So I had yeah. to basically figure it out, uh, trial, trial and error. And what I did, Corey, is a year after graduating, I went to this event called an exposure camp. And for those of you who don't know what an exposure camp is, it's basically like a job fair, but it's for athletes. So okay. instead of you showing up with a suit on and handing out resumes, you actually bring your sneakers and your gear and you perform in front of the decision makers who had the, the power to actually get you a contract or maybe the agents who can connect you to the jobs. So I went to an exposure camp. This was in Orlando, Florida. Now we drove from Philly to Orlando. That's about a 17 hour drive. Overnight, hopped out the car, 9 a.m. Saturday morning, went right into the gym and started playing. No sleep. Now at age 23, you can do that. I probably couldn't do it now, but I did it then. <laughs> right. And I, right. Yeah, I did pretty well. I did pretty well at that exposure camp. I got the footage from that camp. And that footage I utilized after the exposure camp. I didn't even get a, I didn't get a contract opportunity from the camp on the spot. But the footage of my performance, I used that footage to shop myself around to basketball agents. Now, basketball mm. agents work the same way that you know, a literary agent works or an acting yeah. agent, any kind of agent. Basically, the agent is the go-between between the job opportunities and the people who want them. So I got a basketball agent. That agent helped me start my career. And I was in Columbus, Lithuania in 2005 now that footage was on a this thing Corey you might remember called a VHS tape you remember VHS (laughs) yes (laughs) yes all right so that that VHS tape was my golden ticket in basketball because as I told you a little bit of my story I didn't have you know these amazing highlights from high school or from college but that exposure camp was my best on the court performance that I had proof of to that point but I knew that VHS tape wouldn't last forever because if it gets wet you drop it you can lose it Sure. This is 2005, and I heard that there was this new website where you could put video up for free, and it would just stay there. And this website was called YouTube.com. 
Right. And this is in 2005. So I put my footage up there. It was only about two minutes long. Nobody knew who I was. Again, I hadn't achieved anything of note in basketball right. to that point. And I just started my career, but people found this video. So about six months later, I went just to look up this, this YouTube thing, which at that time was mostly, you know, videos of your baby doing something funny and cats, right. you know, jumping cats. up the curtain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I go to YouTube and there are comments on the video. There's random people found this video and they're asking questions like, hey, who taught you how to play? How often do you practice? Uh, can you make a video about dribbling? Or what about dunking? Mm. Or how do you work on shooting? So I realized that this was an underserved market. It's not like they were looking up Dre Ball. They were just looking right. up help with basketball. I just happened to be that guy. So I recognized right. that opportunity, and I just started bringing my, my cheap little $100 camera with me to the gym every day, and I would just record myself working out. Then I would just edit it just a little bit. I would just edit out you know, the extraneous stuff, and now I would just slap it up on YouTube. And after a few years of doing this, players started asking me about the mental side of the game, and they would ask me a little bit about my background. I would answer questions. This is all in the comment section, mind you, Corey. Right. So this right. is back back in the this is back in the days, ladies and gentlemen, when you could have a civil conversation in the comment section on YouTube. <laughs> now, I do right. not. Yeah, I don't suggest you do that today. Don't do it in 2020 or any time after this. But right. then you could. Now, so I was telling these players about my background. They learned that I barely played in high school. I played D three. So these players, what I realized, Corey, was that they were seeing themselves in me. Because mm. for every, you know, one LeBron James, you no know, Kobe Bryant out there, right. you got a thousand Drake Altons. Right? Most right. basketball players ain't LeBron, right? They're not, you know, the chosen one. They are players right. who want to make it. They want to be chosen, but they're not getting chosen. They're the unchosen ones. <laughs> I think that's, that's right. pretty right. much what we were. And I, I realized that a lot of these players, they're like, well, Drake, damn, I got cut from my high school team too. I, you know, didn't get in, recruited or invited to play college ball either, but you made it. So there's hope for me. So all these right. players saw an opportunity for themselves when they saw my story. So I just start, they start asking about the mental side of the game. What keeps you showing up every day to work out even when you're a free agent? Or Dre, how can you yeah. have the same confidence to play in a game when there are a thousand people in the gym as opposed to when you're in the gym practicing by yourself when the gym is empty or it's just your friends and you're comfortable? Or Dre, why do you even keep playing or even keep trying when you got cut from your high school team three years straight? Or right. how'd you even get started? Because after a few years of this stuff on YouTube, now mind you, I'm still playing overseas at the same time. So I kind of had mm -hmm, these two mm -hmm. parallel careers for you. And by around 2009, 2000, 2008, 2009, I started to have a little bit of a, a name on the internet. And more people know me from YouTube than know me from actually playing overseas. Most people gotcha. never even seen an overseas basketball game. So most yeah. of the people who knew my name knew me from YouTube. Didn't even know I played overseas <laughs> unless they were talking to me. So well, it's one of those things where, where it, 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 it's a small world oh, too. Because as you were talking about this right. on the overseas, I, I have a member of my family now that is playing in Finland. He, he right. is he's playing ball. He's playing basketball over there now. So and just made that transition okay. from leaving Loyola and then now starting to play overseas. Mm -hmm. So it's just that small world to think, hey, that was that became one of your you know became one of your niches and a pathway to start that recognition piece um so 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 you're playing overseas you're getting you know i want to i want to round this out for people so you're playing overseas you're through necessity because i want to pull the lessons out of the story right so you through necessity said hey there's this youtube thing what a good way for me to put the video really up so i didn't have to worry about what was going to happen to my vhs tape right that was exactly. it, it was it was reason. that necessity sure that then started to create your popularity, right? So I think that's an interesting lesson for people to think about too, because sometimes everything's not 
tactical. Sometimes you're just doing things not knowing what the outcome. So now you you get popular. Now tell me what happens. Yeah, so like you said, I was scratching my own itch. Now around this time, uh, 2009, another necessity popped up. Now I told you I came out of a Division III school. Mm -hmm. And the thing about overseas basketball is that the teams who sign players, they look at your pedigree. Yeah, and your pedigree, for those of you who don't understand what that means, they're looking at your background. Where did you come from? What have you done in your past that tells us you're worthy of our investment? So mm. a player who came out of a Division three school, after I finished one contract, the next contract, they're looking at me and saying, okay, here's what you did at your last job, and let's see what you did before that. Where do you come from? Because right. if any of you watch professional sports like the NBA or the NFL, a player who is a first-round pick, even if they are a complete bust at their job, on the team that they're on, every, they keep getting more jobs. They keep getting another opportunity, another one, another one. And the reason why is the teams are talking themselves into this guy like, hey, look how much talent he had in college. He may eventually, he may, the time that he finally gets it might be when he plays for us. So let's give him another right. chance. Let's give him another chance. Right. Give him another chance. This is why these players who are bust keep getting chances. But when you come from a D3, you don't keep getting those chances. So around 2009, I found myself unemployed again, unemployed professional basketball player. And I'm getting into my mid to late 20s and I'm saying to myself, okay, if I project this life that I'm living now out the next five years, I don't like how this looks. So mm-hmm. I asked myself a really key question, Corey, and this is the question that really was a turning point for me as far as a businessman. And the question was, how can I take the things that I already love doing and that I'm good at and figure out how I can make money from it? So I was looking for the intersection of these three things. I love it. I'm good at it. And there's money to be made. So the things that I loved doing was playing ball, and I was really good at being on the internet. How can I combine those two and make money? Now, at this time, Corey, you probably may remember, around this time, this is when Google had purchased YouTube. And Google started offering advertising on YouTube videos. So before this point, believe it or not, those of you listening, you you used to be able to watch hours of YouTube without seeing a single advertising. (laughs) Now you got to like, Tell them to stop, right? You gotta hope they hope it goes away. It ain't going away. Well, considering so, the amount of money that I spent, the considering the amount of money I spent on YouTube running advertising, I, I do. I'm very <laughs> thankful for that changeover, though. But but go ahead. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this is when you could apply for they call it the partner program. You can make some money from them running ads on your videos. So mm. I went and you know, did that. They accepted me. And the reason they accepted me is because I sold myself. There's always this little box in the application that says, Is there anything else you want us to know? And in that mm. box, I said, I'm going to put out a video every day. Now, this is way before daily vlogging was a thing. This was not a thing in 2009. This is before Gary V. It was before Gary oh, yeah, V was, was blowing up the internet. Okay, got it. Yes, exactly. It was before that. Now, they accepted me, and I just started putting videos up every day. Now, I had no idea if I'd be able to do this, but this is, you know, 8,000 videos ago. <laughs> I wasn't right. sure I'd be able to keep putting up content, but... And then a year after that, I started creating my own products and selling them. And I'll just tell that story and I'll let you you ask the next question here. Yeah. But I was putting these videos on YouTube and basketball players are watching them. They're leaving comments. I'm responding to the comments. And players are always asking me, Dre, can you make a program for me? I'm this age. I'm this height. I'm trying to get better at this. And I need to make the team next year. Can you make me a program? And I would always tell them no, because it was too many people asking me to make them a program. And I'm like, well, I knew that didn't scale. I didn't have the verbiage for it, but I knew I couldn't make everybody a program. But one day a commentator said, Dre, why don't you just write down what you do in the gym and then just put it out and then everybody else can just train the way you train. And I said, okay, I can do that. Now at this time, Corey, I was reading a lot of Tim Ferriss's work. I think this is right around the time the four-hour work week that come out. 
Okay. And he had been talking about, you know, how you can test a product idea online. And I said, okay, I'll do that, answer in the comment, but I will probably charge you all for it because I'm giving you value. You got to give me value back. Would <laughs> you all pay for it? And the, the commentators, they responded. They said, yeah, we'll pay for it, Jerry, as long as it doesn't cost too much money. Now, I know I'm dealing with a demographic of you know, 13 to 21-year-olds, so I know they don't have yeah. a ton of money. So right. I figured I'll have a very low price and just go for volume. So I made my first product was a, a PDF document, maybe seven-page PDF. This is how you work on dribbling. This is what you do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I grabbed a video off my YouTube channel of me doing a dribbling drill. I gave it a name. I explained the drill in words. I told them how many times to do it, how often to do it, and I just made them program. Do this Monday through Sunday. And I labeled it, you know, simple to advanced ball handling drills. And I charged $4.99 for this product. And I put it up on this one-page website, a free hosting platform called Weebly. And I think Weebly is yep. still out. Yep, they are. And I put that out. Yeah, I announced that program product, and somebody bought it. And now this is the time that I had a BlackBerry. This is before I even got an iPhone. Now, Corey, I don't know if you had a BlackBerry uh, 10 years I ago. Did. Or 10 years. Okay, so you remember when if you got a text or an email on the BlackBerry, there's a little red light that would start blinking. Yes. So this is around 9, 10 o'clock at night. The little red light on my phone started blinking. So I grabbed the phone and I saw it was an email and it said, congratulations, you made a sale. And it was a $4.99 sale. Now, this it was so early in how I was doing things then that I didn't even have auto delivery set up, Corey. So I had to open my computer and I had to send an email with an attachment of my PDF program to the person <laughs> who had bought it from me because I didn't even right. know what auto delivery was. Now, after doing that for about a week, I, I looked up auto delivery. I figured it out. But that's what made me an entrepreneur. And once that happened, I said, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and we'll probably get to that. But I knew that's what I was going to be doing, that that will last a lot longer than, you know, my knees and my ankles playing basketball. But that was right, right. in the middle of my career. Right. So that's how I got to that point. So so you've got this product. I mean, I mean, there's so many there's so many things I want to extract from that. So no, number one. I want to recap, not recap, but I want to state a couple things I pulled from there. Number one, this three-part kind of thought process, right? Um, do I love it? Am I good at it? Is there money to be made, right? So for people out there that are having that conversation about what can I monetize? I want to be on my own. I want to be in my own business, but I'm not sure where to start. I just think that was a great throughout that story. Extracting those three things uh, was really, really important. The other thing was, you making that decision because there's so much talk in the marketplace about everything being high ticket, high ticket, high ticket. So, right. and I'm sure at that time you didn't really know what high ticket was, but no, I didn't. a lot of people <laughs> kind of make that conscious decision that everything's got to be, you know, $20,000. Um, and if I can just do two of this or one of that, or one of these or two of these, I'll be fine. Particularly in the informational world, right? We, we look at it that way. And, I think what was an interesting lesson here is sometimes starting small is is a better way to create scale. You made the point about going for volume instead of trying to, you know, get one at X. It was let me get 100 at X. So I like that idea. Mm -hmm. And I think people need to take that part to heart as it relates to getting started in a product. And you could have easily now you could have easily gone the, you know, EBM educational based marketing route and said, you know what, I'm going to do this to PDF. And I'm just going to make it free so I can build my lists or get more emails or, or you know, all these things that people do. And I'm, and I'm not even saying it as a right or wrong, but there was something there that was like, hey, I'm going to put this together and I don't have to charge a lot, but it's worth something what I'm doing, right? And you, and you kind of mm -hmm. arrived at that price point. And I think so many people 
They spend so much time analyzing. What should I should I do this? What should my price be? What should it look like? How should I who should I sell it to? How should I sell it for? And they never even get around to getting anything out. So you were like, I'm good at this. I know this. Let me put it together and let me put it out there for five dollars. And you know what? Wow, people started buying. And I think that's there's a lot of interesting lessons to be held in there. So now at this point, what are you saying to yourself? I can make something work with this. I this this actually could turn into something. I'm gonna I'm gonna go deeper down that rabbit hole. What what's your thought process in basically that kind of 2009 point to really looking to where we are today? What what was part of that evolution? Man, well, and even to piggyback on a couple of things you mentioned there, uh, Corey, I didn't even know what a list was in 2009. I didn't right. even know of a list. Now, I was able to kind of recoup a little bit of that because I always had the, the list of people who had bought from me, but I didn't even have a list at that time. I was just selling products and you know, getting the money in my PayPal account. I was just happy to see it. Right. So when it right. came to right, from then to now was, well, first of all, that product worked. So when the dribbling product worked, I said, all right, let me make one for shooting. Let me make one for dunking. Let me make one for yeah. doing the crossovers. I just basically took every aspect of basketball and I made another program for that, then another one for that, then another one for that, another one for that. And I'm not even running advertisements, Corey. There were no ads. YouTube was basically my my lead platform. I got leads by posting videos on YouTube every day and just telling people to go over to that website. Now, by around 2014, YouTube realized that people like me were you know, leveraging them for free and they changed their algorithms. So I couldn't do that anymore. But by that point, I had already you know, did what I needed to do. And I was ready to move on to other things. So to... Uh, answer the rest of your question here. I kept making those products and I'm um, selling those things. And I realized that, like I said, this is what I can do. This is going to sustain longer than basketball. And one thing about yeah. athletes that I definitely know is that uh, a lot of athletes don't think about what they're going to do when the ball stops bouncing, mm. when they can't play anymore. And athletic careers are short. Average yeah. NFL, NBA career, we're talking two, three, four years average. Even if yeah. you're great and you're you no know, Kobe, you're 40 when you retire, you still got 40, 50, 60 more years to live. What are you gonna, how are you gonna be a contributing member of society? Because one right. thing that for me, Corey, it was always in my mind, I never wanted to be a former anything. Oh, I don't want that to be the first thing you say about me. Yeah. Uh, he used to play basketball. Uh, what are you doing now? Uh, you stopped playing five years ago. You haven't done anything since? <laughs> like, I, right. for me, right. that's just my thing. Like, even if I had made $500 million playing basketball, I still want to be able to do something. I want to be able to say I'm, I have something going on. I don't want to be a person with nothing going on. I don't care what I did in the past. So now, now, now me, you would say, though, so so you would say and would have to admit, though, that obviously having that cachet uh, does mm -hmm. does and did help you in other things you want to do. One of my, you oh, know, absolutely. one of my good colleagues and good friends is Walter Bond. Uh, Walter was in the NBA from mm -hmm. 91 to 99 and then went into motivational speaking, right? So, you know, Walter will tell us. Right. So certainly leading with um, I was in the NBA certainly helped book keynotes and get people to take your phone call and, and people oh, want to hire you to motivate. So there's something to, you know, be said for that also, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, don't, don't get it twisted. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, that's the first thing I say about myself, too. Hey, I played nine years of professional basketball. Right, I definitely right, right. use it. Yeah, it's a, right. it's a passport. Yeah, that's what yeah. I tell athletes. Is it, is it a, uh, a swipe that gets you into rooms that you otherwise wouldn't be allowed into? Mm. So, absolutely. But at, And on top of that, I want to be able to say, hey, I did this thing, but then I want to have something else that I can say about myself that makes me 
uh, relevant in that room because if, the fact that I play pro basketball is interesting. Like you'll open your eyes and say, oh, that's cool. And maybe yeah. you'll ask some questions about it. But then if you look at me and you say, okay, do you still play? I say, no, I stopped playing five years ago. Now you're like, okay, well, what are you doing today? So right. that, again, in my mind, it was always the, what else do you bring to the table? And I always understood that, especially coming out of a D3, Corey, that my career might not have gone nine years. Like yeah. All the D3 players that I played with, none of them played more than only one of my teammates from my college played professional basketball. And he only played for a year or two. And then he moved right. on. Nobody else even got in the game. So I, I was an in an anomaly coming out of that level. So I knew that my career might not go as long as it could. And I always just wanted to, like I said, I always want to be doing something. I always want to be moving towards something. So, so uh, to so, answer so me, rest, oh, go ahead. So I, I want to pivot for a minute because I want to, I want to make sure, I, I want to make sure in, in relation to time that there's some, there's some clear things that we can pull out of here too, and and I want to give you I'll give you an opportunity in just a second to to piggy to kind of maybe finish your thought, but I want to already just give you the next path here and say part of your message today and you know the TED talks and these things that we're talking about is revolving around this idea of working on your game and and of course it's a play on being a form, being a pro athlete and, and and that type of thing and the discipline involved in that so when you talk about you know even one of your books work on your game using the pro athletes mindset i want to get some hard principles that we can extract from that so so finish your thought but i want to move to that that how does somebody use the elements of what makes a successful pro athlete what are some hard uh, you know, bullet points or hard principles that you would tell them as, as kind of that secret to emulating the discipline that professional athletes need to uh, use to be successful. We're on the same wavelength, Corey, because that's the yeah. exact next thing I was I was going to okay, say. So I'm glad you asked. All right. So when player, when players would ask me, Corey Dre, what keeps you showing up and working out, practicing by yourself every day in an empty gym? The answer was this discipline, showing up every day to do the work. When players ask me, Dre, how can you have the same confidence in tryouts when you know you only have one shot as opposed to when you're playing pickup with your friends and you have there's no pressure on you? I talked about confidence, putting yourself out there boldly and authentically. When players ask me, Dre, why'd you keep playing or even trying when you got cut from your high school team like that three years straight? It's mental toughness, continuing to show up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve is yet to be achieved. And then, or how'd you get yourself known? How'd you get started playing overseas? Or how'd you get started, you know, blogging or making videos on YouTube? It's a personal initiative, going and making things happen instead of sitting around waiting for things to happen. So those four principles, discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative, those became the foundation as I was answering those questions. Again, answering these comments and replying to emails and at replies and DMs. I replied to damn near everything I get on the internet. What was the last one? Discipline, what was the last one? Discipline, confidence, mental toughness, and what was the fourth one? Personal initiative. Got it. Okay, got it. Okay. All right, so answering these questions, I was formulating the foundation of this whole philosophy that I call work on your game. And where that mm. phrase came from was just a random video I made one day in the gym, and I was okay. telling players, listen, the reason why you players are having trouble with your game and you're getting cuts from your team and you're asking me for help is, well, look at look at where we, are, where we are. I'm in the gym practicing. You're on YouTube watching videos. And so what you need to do is stop watching YouTube and stop playing Xbox and stand on the corner I know and get right. in the gym yeah. and work on your game. And this yeah. is – and players heard that freeze. 
I wasn't even trying to brand that, Corey. I was just saying it. I was just speaking off the top. Right. But people kept repeating that phrase to me, work on your game, Dre. I like that, work on your game. And I said, well, I need to run with that. And that's you know, how I you know, came up with that phrase and coined it and made it into a whole brand. And now these days, philosophy and company. But when I got out of sports, uh, what happened is I met a mentor, a woman named Donna St. Louis. I don't know if you're familiar with her. But the she name familiar. is a person. Yeah, she's in the, in the speaking world, thought leadership yeah. world. She's around. And she is the person who, once she saw my background and stuff that I was doing, she's the one who pointed out, hey, discipline. Like, you put out a video every day. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. And business, she is the one who told me, listen, these companies, they want their employees to be disciplined. They want employees who will show up and do the job every day. And when she mm-hmm. heard one of my TED Talk where I was talking about confidence, she said, uh, your topic is mental toughness. I don't know how I didn't see it before, but that's what you need to be talking about, Dre, because you have it in spades and the way that you explain that and the story that you told, like the background that you come from is perfect and companies love that. And the fact that you're an athlete and you can articulate, that's exactly what you need to be talking about. So that's really where, how I learned how what I did in sports could translate into the thought leadership world. But it was that mentor uh, running into Donna that really put me on to know that this could translate to people who didn't play sports. All right. So I want to be, I want to become more mentally tough. Now, because mental toughness was part of that four. So now let's look at that individually. Okay. Dre, I want to become tougher mentally. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out here. I'm trying to sell my product. People are telling me no. I'm feeling defeated. I'm putting out content. I'm getting one like on. I'm putting all this work in the to, you know, putting stuff out on Facebook or Instagram. I'm getting one like on it. And, you know, I, I need to know how to get tougher. What are you telling them? Well, the first thing is if you're getting one like, that means you have one person who's paying attention. That's one person is more than zero. If you yeah. only got 15 views in your YouTube video, it means you have a potential 15 fans. And then you think about it, if you sold 15 copies of your of your course, would you be happy? Or if you did a right. live event and 15 people showed up, would you turn around and go home? Of course right. not. So if you have only one or only three or only 15, first of all, that's more than zero. You have something going on there. So continue to serve your audience. And secondly, if your thing isn't producing the way that you want it to produce, maybe that's because you don't have the information that you need to have. Maybe because you haven't had anyone who knows what they're doing to let you know, hey, here's where you can make some tweaks. So this is where you right. might need to go find yourself a mentor or a coach. And it doesn't even, you only have to know the person in person. It doesn't even have to be somebody that you pay because, hey, maybe your business isn't making any money yet. Go on YouTube. Right. Go on a podcast like Fearless Entrepreneurship and listen to these people who are coming on this show. Listen to the host of these shows and people who are putting information out on the internet these days, YouTube, podcasts, LinkedIn, blogging, Instagram. Listen, they don't have to do this. It's voluntary. We choose to do these things, right? Nobody made you do a podcast, Corey. You chose to. And the people who are doing these shows, they are sharing their successes because they want you to know how they did it. And listen, I mean, a little bit of it is ego and vanity points. We want people to know all the great stuff we got going on. And we will happily share with the world how we did it. Here's the thing I tell people about successful individuals. They want other people to know how they became successful. So they will Mm. openly tell you exactly how they did it. This is why people write books, do TED Talks, go on podcasts, start their own shows, post on social media every day, because they want the world to know how success is created. We want to share the wealth. So when they say, you know, misery loves company, listen, success loves company too. Successful people will tell you how to also be successful. You just have to listen. Find three to five people. You can't listen to everybody because there's too many of them out there these days. Find three to five people that you really connect with who are speaking your language. 
and dive into everything they've ever put out. Any people who have podcasts, write books. People who write books, do speeches. People who do speeches, they're on social media every day. People who are on social media every day respond to their emails and their DMs and they will write you back and they'll let you know, this is how you do it. This is the answer to your question. So the information is out here these days. You just have, it used to be there wasn't enough information. Nowadays it's too much. Your only job now (laughs) is to filtering out and finding the right people that you want to connect with who are speaking your language. But the information is out there. And it's also right the element to uh, of of how you of how you decide to curate that content. Like I always get people telling me, you know, I'll get people messaging me um, about the podcast. Oh man, you know what you you should do? You know, the guests are great, but you should do. Uh, you know, it should just be you for the whole show, or be. And I, and I say, I always say. This is not that's not the format, right? My format is for this, right? For the podcast. And you can have different formats and intentions. Like, right, what I put out on YouTube is completely different than what I put on the podcast. But like my intention here is hear, hear from other people, right? I don't I don't need them. I mean, I'm not an egomaniac, so I don't need the the me show. Um also, but you know, where I have something to add, I'm the host, I add it, but I really the intention here is for people to be able to get exposed to me and my content also via some of the ups and downs and lessons of other people. Right. So I think, I think there's such a, there's an excellent alignment in what you're saying and also not being convoluted by all the different messaging. Cause that's the other danger of the internet. I, I always say you Google how to start a business. There's 20 million responses that come back and there's people that have all these different viewpoints and all of them could be correct in their own way. Right. So let me ask you this question now, and then we're going to go to um, some of our more fun, uh, some of our fun segments here. Young entrepreneurs. We didn't have to yet. But yeah, no, no, <laughs> but no, no, no. Well, the, 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 the fun part where I get to ask you trivia and see if you end up in the Hall of Fame or Hall of Shame. But the, the right. young entrepreneurs, what advice? Mm-hmm. If you were giving out advice, and, and I'm sure you, I, I'm sure you do, and get these questions and get emails. But sure, young entrepreneurs. What advice are you giving them right now in the market? Because you were saying some things a minute ago that was really hitting home, you know, this addiction, the PlayStation, this addiction, the to immediate gratification, this addiction to, you know, I put up my Shopify store yesterday. I can't believe a million people haven't bought my product yet. What, what advice particularly for that younger community, millennial, Gen Z even um, that are out there, what are you saying to them about, getting involved in business and entrepreneurship? Biggest thing right now is to simplify because there is so much information and so many different sources of information these days. And when it comes to business, it's a very, actually a very simple three-step process and everything in between is just means to an end and and or noise. Step number one is identify a need. Identify a need that people have. Something that people need, but for whatever reason, it is not being served. Now, maybe a need that they are able to express or it may be like, let's say the iPhone or Uber, a need that people don't even know that they have until you show it to them. Step number mm-hmm. two is you either create or you obtain access to the solution. So for example, Steve Jobs created the iPhone out of nothing. Uber obtained access to people who had cars who were driving, but they had all these empty seats in the car. So you can obtain access or you can create the solution to that need. And the third thing is letting people know that you have it and offering them an exchange because the exchange is where the sale happens. The exchange is I'll give you this iPhone. It costs $899 or no $35 a month for the next two years. I'll give you this Uber ride. You can ride with this stranger who you never heard of. They're going to the mall too. 
they'll take you there. It'll cost you, you know, eight dollars, and you might have to share a seat with somebody else in the car. So it's only those three steps: identify the need, create or obtain access to the solution, and then let people know that you have it. Everything else that you ever hear about business is a means to one of those three ends, and or is noise that is not going to help you obtain one of those three. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's fantastic information. Now, I always like to ask people, you know, craziest entrepreneurship moment, right? If you think about if you think about your career over this past decade, what would you what would you identify as maybe a crazy moment for you where it was just like that was crazy? <laughs> uh, whether interaction with a client, doing a deal, whatever, what comes in your mind when you think about that? Craziest entrepreneurship moment. You know, one of the things for me, Corey, is that I never did a whole lot of uh, paid advertising. I earned, and uh, Russell Brunson talks about, you can either buy your way in or you can earn your way in, mm. right? And neither, neither one is right or wrong. It's just right. which way you decide to do it. Some people do yeah. a hybrid, right? Right now, you're earning your way in with this show, but you yeah. you also run ads, so you do a little That's bit right. of both. That's right. For me, my, my business model has always been to just give as much value as I can for as long as I can to as many people as I can, and... Mm. It's turned around for me. So I'll tell you, I was in Atlanta. I'm, I live in Miami, but I got offered to speak at this conference in Atlanta. It was called the uh, ATD, Association for Talent Development. Pretty right. big conference. And they uh, told me that I was you know, accepted. I had filled out a form. And my assistant had filled out the form. They accepted me. And I said, well, how much are y'all paying me? And they said, yeah. well, uh, we don't pay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they said, we don't pay anybody Welcome. to come to this conference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I said, well, I'm not coming. If <laughs> you're not paying me, I'm not coming. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they said, and this is the first time this has ever happened, Corey. And I don't know if this ever happened to you. The woman actually wrote me back and told me, I would suggest you reconsider, Mr. Baldwin, mm. because uh, this is the kind of conference where we get a lot of very influential people that come to this conference from the serious companies. I, she basically told me this might be a good business move for you to come to this conference. I have no idea why she said that, right. but she actually told, she basically persuaded me to come to the, to reconsider and come to this conference. So I said, okay, because she said that I'll come to the conference. Now I had to pay my own way. They don't pay for the hotel. They don't yep. pay for food. Yep. They don't pay for anything. This is speak for like, exposure. Exactly. For exposure. Yeah. So yep. I, I drove or I came to Atlanta, had to pay for my own hotel. I uh, had to pay for my own food. I remember going to the event. It was at the Georgia World Congress, downtown Atlanta. It's raining that yep. day. And I'm like, my stomach was bothering me. I think I ate some bad spinach <laughs> or something. I was like, man, I don't, why am I even here? Why did I come to this conference? I didn't really, really feel like being there. And then I got to the venue and I saw the room I was going to be speaking in. Somebody was in there before me. And mm. I, I started to get a little bit more excited because I'm a performer. And Corey, yep. you do speaking. So, you know, when you yep. see that room, yeah. All of a sudden, you start to, you start to feel it. The adrenaline starts to go up. So I get in there and I do my presentation, you know, for free. I get off the stage and a woman uh, from the NBA approaches me and say, "Hey, uh, we mm-hmm. like you come speak to our, our players uh, this upcoming is. season." I spoke every team is. in the G League. Uh, a woman from the NCAA approached me and said, "Hey, we have a big event. We think you'd be great for because you used to play basketball." Uh, a woman from uh, a publishing company approached me and said, Dre, I know you self-published some books. Have you ever thought about publishing a book with a traditional publisher? I said, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely have. <laughs> I got a book yeah. deal off of that right there. Not even, I didn't even have a literary agent. I worked straight with the company for that. And that was all off of an event that I spoke at for free. I paid my own way. That trip cost me about $1,000, not counting the time. Yep. Yep. And I didn't know those people were going to be in the room. I had no idea who was going to be in the room. 
they could have been at, and mind you, this is a, a huge conference. So it was like 20 yep. different sessions going on at once. They all happened to be in my room and they heard me speak and all of yep. these opportunities came off of that. So the ROI from going to that conference was, I mean, I can't even put a dollar, I can't even put a dollar value on it, but it was only because I was willing to yep. put myself out there at my, on my own dime. And I think that was one of the, the biggest things that happened for me as an entrepreneur. My first million dollar piece of business came from speaking at an event for free. And, and the right person was in the audience, liked what I had to say, brought me into her organization, which led to this deal and that deal and this contract and that contract. And, and it, it very similar to what you were saying. Now, I wasn't I knew that I was doing it for free. I knew all of those things. But because of those things, I was almost making a last minute decision to not even accept so similar to what you were saying so much i mean it I resonate so much when you were saying it because it, and it was literally you know you talk about submitting your proposal and, and all that stuff right and it was literally eleven fifty seven, the night of the cutoff to send in your info where i was like ah do i even want to because for me you you at least were going from miami to atlanta i was going from um new jersey to las vegas so the commitment of going out there and, and, and now I'm in Vegas. So now, I mean, I gotta, I gotta eat good. I gotta, so you, you know, you were probably, you were probably very conscious of all of maybe what you were spending, but you end up in Vegas. Now I'm at the table now. Like, like this could go so wrong, right? With me doing it. But, but, you know, I can't imagine not having, you know, gone and done it, to, you know, there. So, but yeah, I think that's a great story and a great lesson to be found there also. And there's balance. You know, you don't you don't want to be taken advantage of, right? There's a difference between making a good business decision, looking at all of your options and making a good business decision, right? And you know, being taken advantage of where constantly people want you to do stuff and you you have no correlation to being able to earn a living from it, right? <laughs> Which I think right. goes right. back to your point. Identify a need, uh, or, or I'm sorry, do I love it? Am I good at it? Uh, and is there money to be made, right? Part of that kind of first set that you talked about. So Here's what I want to do now. This is the part of the show um, that we call the rapid fire segment. And right. I'm going to ask you a series of fun questions, really just to give our listeners some insights to how you tick as an entrepreneur, you know, some of your preferences. So nine questions. I want you to just hit me with your hit me with your answer. And uh, and we're going to give some people some insights. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. PC or Mac? Mac. Favorite credit card for small business? American Express. Are you a physical planner person or a digital planner? All digital. I don't know if I even can write anymore. <laughs> What's your favorite software right now to manage your business? I like Slack and everything in the Google G Suite. Okay. All Starbucks, Dunkin', or other? other i don't drink coffee and i'm not a big donut person but there's a great donut shop in miami i'm actually gonna go get some after this interview <laughs> all right i haven't eaten lunch yet so don't start all right next question <laughs> thank you card or thank you email neither you know what i would do is record a selfie video and send it to the person so they know that i actually put my personal time into it mm, i like that so thank you video mm -hmm. awesome doesn't scale but it works yeah i like that when uh when you think about and that's listen how's how we got together you took the time to to shoot me a video so when it comes to learning hardcover tablet or audiobook 
I used to be all hardcover, but now I'm a hybrid of about 20% tablet, mostly audiobook, because I'm doing so much business-wise. I do not sit down and read as much as I used to. I don't, I'm not mm. proud of that, but audiobooks well, have been listen, my Right. It's the truth nonetheless, right? Uh, what would you say is your right. next big goal? Next big goal is to streamline all the products and services we have created here at, at Work On Your Game so that people have a clear customer journey and they know exactly where to start and where to end. Okay. And final question on rapid fire. One day with any mentor, and we're talking about somebody who's alive, uh, who would that person be? Ooh, only one person? Yes. I would I would go with uh, Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy. Okay. Interesting. That is the first time we've had that. Um, we've had uh, Diddy, uh, Puff Daddy, Sean Combs come up on here. So, all right, interesting. That's yeah. That's interesting. Now, this is the opportunity for you to determine if you're going to end up in the Hall of Fame on our show or the Hall of Shame. And it's time for entrepreneurship trivia. Now, I, I, I give you at least a 33% chance of getting it right because there's three options to the answer. It's A, B, or C. So I'm helping you out that way. So it's not completely blind. But are you ready for your trivia question? Yes, I am. All right. Who said the following? There's no shortage of remarkable ideas. What's missing is the will to execute them. Here are your options. A, Seth Godin, B, Elon Musk, or C, Mark Cuban? Man, it might be all three of them might have said that. <laughs> well, that is I not an available hear, answer. <laughs> okay. I can hear all three of them saying that. I'm going to go with Seth. Seth A, Seth Godin? Yes. Okay. Well, Dre Baldwin, I will have to tell you, you will now end up in the Hall of Fame for the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast because Seth Godin is the correct answer. <laughs> I read a lot of stuff. So good thing. Actually, Seth blurred my book. He wrote the blurb on the cover of my book. Oh, that's that's fantastic. So so yeah. tell us so, so tell us now how what do you got going? How can people get in touch with you? Um, I mean, it's been a phenomenal. It's almost I'm I'm looking up and it doesn't even seem like almost an hour has passed already. But how can people get in touch right. with you? I know you've got some some products, some things uh, even that's that that's free that you want to get people involved in. Tell people how to get in the Dre Baldwin ecosystem. Wow, well, it's a very wide ecosystem. So we're on all social media platforms. I'm active on all of them: Facebook, LinkedIn, everything except. TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, okay. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, we're on all of them. I'm probably Instagram. I do the Instagram story all day. So if you like somebody who's on Instagram stories all day, follow me on Instagram at Dre Baldwin. Uh, my, I have a daily podcast called Working Your Game. Now, mine is different from this one. Mine's a solo show. So if you want to know how I think and what my opinions are, and I have yeah. plenty of them, but I do put context <laughs> and I do it cleaner. So you can get that at, that's called the Work On Your Game. So just look. Look it up on the same platform that you're listening to this show on. And I do have a book that people can get for free. Can I tell people about that, Corey? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, that book is called The Mirror of Motivation. The subtitle is The Self-Guide to Self-Discipline. Now, since I've written all these books, people would often ask me, Dre, hey, I want to buy one of your books, but which one do I read first? And I didn't have an answer, so I had to solve that problem. So since discipline is the first principle of the work on your game philosophy, We'll start with the discipline book. And what this book actually is going to do for you, and all you do is cover a small shipping charge to get the book. The book is free. All you do is cover the shipping. What this book does for you is that everybody who's listening to this kind of show, you probably have some goals you wish to achieve in life. And you're probably, you probably have some work. You can't get something for nothing in life. But what many people never ask themselves, Corey, is 
Who do I need to be? What type of person do I need to be when I step into the world every day? Who do I want to see when I look in the mirror? What kind of energy do I want to have? How do I want to change the energy of a room when I walk into a room? The book, The Mirror of Motivation, will give you the frameworks for you to answer that question for yourself. So it's not me telling you who you need to be as a person, which wouldn't even make any sense. It's called The Mirror of Motivation because you will look in the mirror and you will tell yourself who you need to be because I won't always be around to answer that question. Corey won't always be around, but you will always be around. Wherever you go, there you are. So if you go to mirrorofmotivation.com, that's mirrorofmotivation.com, you just tell us where to ship the book, take care of a small shipping charge, and we will ship that book to you worldwide, anywhere that you live. That's where you can start with me. Truly phenomenal. I want to thank Dre, Dre all day, as they say, Baldwin. Uh, Dre, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you for having me, Corey. This is great. As we close out today's episode, as always, I'm asking you to subscribe to the podcast so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. Now, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. If not, as I'd like to say, just keep it to yourself. If you've heard something today that can help someone you know, then I also encourage you to share it. Finally, if you're a business owner that's ready to become a fearless entrepreneur, then head over to my website, fearlesswithcorey.com, to learn more about the most comprehensive business growth support system for entrepreneurs on the planet. I'm Corey Mosley, and this has been another episode of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week.